today on It's Time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 2 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Bible says God's going to lift that curse someday, and that we look forward to. Well, our bodies are under that same curse, and so we're going to get a brand new body. And so, in the Bible, whenever you find the Bible referencing and they fell asleep, it's talking about their shell, not their spirit. Absent from the body, present with the Lord in those that are believers. And so He says, "I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith." That's a really good thing to be able to say. Through it all, through the tears, uh, through all the things we go through, just keep going. You say, well, Mike, you don't understand. I, I was raised in the church. I, I fell down on my nose. I, 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 just get up. Tell Jesus you're sorry and keep going. That's what God's called us to do. Finally, he says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Prayerfully, that would be you and me. God's got a crown for you. Now, I've had people tell me, I don't care when I get to heaven if I just get there by the skin of my teeth. I'll be happy. I appreciate that. But here's the thing. You may not care about crowns today, but you will be then in heaven, and you'll be glad you're getting some. The Bible tells us what God will reward in eternity And what he will reject in eternity. Everybody living today is determining what position you are going to hold forever in eternity. Pretty important then. So in other words, we're not cosmic mistakes. It isn't lightning hit a swamp and here we all are adding a couple billion years in there. But that God has a divine plan for us to be about his business. Now he says, because he realizes he's going to be executed, this is pretty serious, for loving God, be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, and this is kind of sad, having loved this present world has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. It's interesting here, he says that Demons, having loved this present world, has departed. How sad. In other words, trading something temporary for something eternal. That'd be a fool. You, you can gain the whole world, lose your own soul. What does it profit you? So it's probably a better good idea to say, you know what? I want to make an investment in eternity. People say, well, I don't even know if there is eternity. That's a fair question, I think. 
How do I know there's eternity? How do I know that uh, the Bible wasn't written by a bunch of guys in a back room someplace? Really clever ones at that. And then, and then talk about this eternity thing. Because, you know, like maybe when you're dead, you're just dead. You know, strawberry fields forever. I mean, that's it. Well, you got to ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Because that's the problem. See, if there's a chance one in a hundred million billion that there is an eternity after this life. And if the Bible tells us how God is going to judge this world someday, do I want to take that chance? So let's just look at it from a standpoint. How do we know the Bible's real? Well, the Bible put in it something not in any other religious book in the world. And that's prophecy. Only God knows the future. And and as a matter of fact, Revelation 22, it says he lives in all times present. I don't know anything like that. Everything I know has a begin date and an end date, whether it's a carton of milk that I buy at the store, that when I go to the store, I look for the date on the carton. Is this, when's this one going away? You know, or whether it's your car, you drive, you, you know, figure, you know, 10, 20 years, over 150,000 miles is getting pretty worn out, has an end date. God doesn't live like that. God lives in old times present. I don't know what that is, but he says he does. But because he does, he knows what's going to happen in the future. So he tells us in his Bible, so you can't mess it up. All the religious books in the world lack this one thing, and that's prophecy. Why? Because when they make a prediction, it doesn't happen. You know it's bogus. But the Bible tells us what is going to happen. You know, it's weird because I've shared this many times, but in Luke chapter 21, Jesus said that Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Now, you've got to remember, when Jesus said that, Jerusalem was under Roman control. What's even crazier is in 70 AD, because of the Jewish rebellion, Titus, this Roman general, comes into the city of Jerusalem, burns it with fire, destroys it, tears it down, And as a mockery, only lets the Jews go back into the city of Jerusalem once a year on the day they destroyed it. Just kind of a slap in the face. And yet Jesus said, Jerusalem would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Ridiculous prophecy. Unless you look at Jerusalem today. Only Jesus knew that Jerusalem would be rebuilt. Only Jesus knew it would be the capital of Israel. That just happened in the last few few months. When we realize the accuracy of the Bible, you know one of the other things it says? Revelation chapter 13, no one's going to be able to buy or sell without a mark, a name, or a number on their hand or on their forehead. Who had ever dreamed 2,000 years ago of a, of a complex, computerized, global system of buying and selling with numbers 
that we can see right now, few people even carry much cash in their wallet anymore. It's all on a credit card. But what if we took this credit card and tattooed it on your hand or on your forehead? Wouldn't that be cool? You wouldn't even have to carry a wallet anymore. You get in your car, just like you have these little uh, smart keys, and you don't even put the key in the ignition. It just knows who you are. You walk up, you grab the door handle, it goes beep, beep, and unlocks. Imagine if they could implant that chip in you. No more wallets, no more idea, no more problems with theft. But the Bible says that's exactly what it was going to be like. The Bible also says there's two prophets that warn the world not to take this mark on their hand or on their forehead. The Bible says they have a ministry in the streets of Jerusalem until finally they're allowed to be killed. And the whole world instantaneously sees it. Well, up to just probably 50 years ago, that was impossible. But now with the advent of satellite television, digital information, the whole world can see what's going on the minute that it happens, though it's clear around the other side of the world. That was impossible in the time of Jesus when he said that. So understanding, God knows the future. God knows the future. And if God knows the future, what does that say about us today? And what does that say about the life beyond? So here he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know, again, I love forever friends. Your forever friends are in Christ. And I love that about God. God gives us something that transcends the miles, transcends time. It goes throughout eternity. And I want to encourage you, get some friends that love God. You'll have them with you forever. And he says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you, for he is useful for me in the ministry. And Tychus, I've sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus, this guy named Carpus. Evidently, when Paul knew he was going to get arrested, he left his books, his, his, his notes, and his cloak, his outer coat, with uh, this person named Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. In fact, uh, he says that he was shipwrecked back in 1 Corinthians. Why? The word coppersmith gives you a little bit of a clue. You know what coppersmiths did? They worked in metal, not just necessarily copper. They were idol makers. You know, I want to, I want to. I remember this thing years ago. It was called the religion store. And it was really kind of funny because what it did is that you, you hear this hustle and bustle on the streets. You're a door open and close. And this guy walks in and goes, wow, man, what kind of a store is this? He goes, well, my good man, this is a religion store. He goes, a religion store? What's that? He goes, I simply sell to people what they want. Just that time, a guy comes in, clumping in. You could hear his spurs rattling. He comes up, hits the desk and says, I want a religion that worships cows. He goes, well, my good man, that religion's already been taken. However, you could start the Reformed Hindu movement. He goes, great. 
snidely says, here, sign here. He goes, yeah, this ink's kind of thick. Yeah, you might say it's thicker than water. Guy leaves. He goes, I can't believe it. You, you really do this. You really sell people religions. The next guy walks in the door. He goes, hey, man, I want a religion that like worships stars, planets, cosmos. I had a dream the other day that I was a UFO. I started ricocheting off all the walls. I thought I would call my church Knights in White Satin. And he said, he says, other than that being a hit single in the early 70s, he said, I suppose we could arrange that. He signs and walks out the door. And he says, how do you get away selling religions when Jesus is free? He goes, don't mention that name in this establishment. You'll ruin a perfectly good place where I sell religion. Everybody knows Jesus Christ is free. By simply believing in him, your sins are forgiven. There's no reincarnation. There's nothing. The religion store. I think that's interesting. Well, basically, that's what this is. Alexander, the coppersmith, he would carve you an idol for yourself. See, they worked metal. They would take sometimes a wood carving and overlay it with a thin copper or gold. And so when Paul came along preaching the true gospel, in other words, you can be saved. Simply believe in him. There's no hoops to join. There's no churches to join. All you got to do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. Those that made idols were outraged at Paul's simplicity in the gospel. So Alexander did him much harm. And may the Lord repay him according to his works. God, I pray that none of you, none of myself, were ever repaid according to our works. Here's why. Because Jesus forgave us. He's the one that we will be judged by. You see, the Bible says all of our righteousness that we try to do is filthy rags. Why? Because there's a standard that God has. See, I, I can say I'm a good guy. I'm, a, I'm, I'm good. Well, how good are you? Well, I'm better than that person over there. Well, does that make you good or just better than that person over there? You see, that person over there is not the standard. God's the standard. And so I've got to say, well, am I better than God? No, I'm not. That's what the Bible talks about. That's why Jesus died on the cross is he imparts to us his righteousness. The Bible says we put on his robe of righteousness. We wrap his righteousness around us. You see, when we wrap his righteousness around us, that makes us righteous. I'm not judged, you're not judged according to your works, but according to his goodness. He wraps his righteousness around you. And so he says, the Lord will repay him. You know, unless you become born again, you'll be re- You'll be judged according to your works. That ain't a good thing. How many lies do you got to tell to be a liar? One. How many murders do you got to commit to be a murderer? One. Bible says murderers don't inherit the kingdom of God. Thieves don't inherit the kingdom of God. The sexually immoral don't inherit the kingdom of God. So then what do I do? How do I fix this? The Bible says we wrap ourselves in his righteousness. I pray today you've done that. 
He says, and again, as we look at this, beware of him. He has greatly resisted our words. You know, there's people that you need to be aware of. You know, the invisible Holy Spirit protects you from getting ripped off by bad people. You think about different people that have come into your life. Could have even been a wife or a husband. Could have been a friend that set you up and ruined your life. There's bad people in the world. You need that invisible Holy Spirit to tell you, stay away from this person. You need the invisible Holy Spirit to say, this is a good person. They're going to be a good friend to you, and they're going to help you. You need that. I need that. He says, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. May it not be charged against them. He, he felt bad for his friends. Paul in jail, being persecuted for being a Christian, I think other Christians being around him thought, well, am I next and I better distance myself from this person? Paul says, I I don't fault them. I understand. But the next verse, 17, but the Lord stood with me. You know, God will always be your best friend. He'll always stand with you. The Bible says he sticks closer than a friend, sticks closer than a brother. He says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord will deliver, will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him, be, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, God's going to take care of us. I, and again, if you're not a Christian here today, all I can ask is this. Who takes care of you? Who takes care of you? We all need to be taken care of. Do you realize anything that's made needs to be taken care of? You do. You got to change the oil in your car. You got to change the tires when they get a little bald. You got to go down and get another quart of milk. You need to be maintenanced. But if you're not a Christian, you're not. Now, isn't it weird that God wanted us to relate to him not as some unknowable creature in the farthest most cosmos or to relate to him through an idol. But the Bible says he wants us to relate to him as our father. I think that's why there's such an attack on fathers in our society today. We've been over this many times, but every time you'll see a Hollywood movie, the dad is always the idiot in the room. Why is that? I think the devil wants to discount fathers. But you got a father in heaven. The Bible says, Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Whereby we cry, cry, Daddy. And if you've ever been around, if you have a little uh, child or or whatever, that, that joy that the child has getting into their parents' arms and saying, Daddy, or saying, Mommy. You see, that's what's so important. It says, you need a Daddy. Who's your daddy today? If you're not born again, the Bible says you're illegitimate. You're without a father. I need a father. Now, the thing is, it isn't something over progression. It's something that happens instantaneous. Instantaneously where we pass from death unto life. And he says, concerning his friends, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the house of Anispras. Erastus stayed in Corinth 
but Tromus I have left in Melita sick. By the way, there's that doctrine around that, well, the reason you're sick is there's sin in your life or you don't have enough faith. Well, here's a great friend of, of Paul's and he didn't say he had sin in his life. Sometimes our bodies just wear out. This is what happened here. Do your utmost to come to me before winter because probably he didn't know when he was going to be executed. So he wanted to get there. Um, Eblicitus greets you as well as Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. This is the last verse that Paul wrote that we have recorded for us before he was executed. And the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. That's the heart of God. Grace be with you. Do you know what grace is? Sounds real religious, doesn't it? But you were graceful. You know, at Christmas time, if you're a parent, you are graceful to your kid. Grace is giving to you what you don't deserve. So in other words, we buy Christmas presents for our kids, not necessarily because they've been good all year, but because we love them. That's grace. Now, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Like you'd stand before a judge and you got a speeding ticket and you look at the judge and you say, give me what's coming to me. No, you don't do that. You go, mercy, mercy of the court. Well, what does that mean? That means you say, don't give me what I deserve. Make a lesser sentence. The Bible says grace and mercy will be multiplied to you and the result of that is always going to be peace that comes from God. As we've looked at this book that Paul wrote to this young minister, the things that he had him be mindful of are the very same things that we need to be mindful of today. Why is that? Because God loves you. And there are behaviors that we can do in rebellion to this book. It will cost us part of our heart. It'll cost your ability to love. It may cost your ability to be loved. It may cause you to look at life in a jaded way. It may cause you to harden your heart where you build a wall and nobody's ever going to hurt my heart ever again. And occasionally I'll grab onto the wall and I'll look over to say, yep, just what I thought it was. And go back under your wall. Or you can say, Lord, forgive me. Put in my life what belongs. Take out of my life what doesn't belong. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. That is where we pass from death unto life. This morning, if you've never prayed, and you've never asked God in your heart, or you're estranged to God, you know better, but you just believe the lie of the world, you can come home to Christ today. He'll put his arms around you. He'll he'll reestablish that relationship And all it requires is an honest prayer from our heart. And if you've never prayed or you haven't prayed for a long time and you want to come home to the Lord, you want him to be your daddy, you want him to take care of you, you want him to speak to your heart and protect you and keep you from getting into the messes that we all are so good at getting ourselves into. I just invite you to pray this morning and let God do that. We're going to pray. If you'd like to repent, turn away from the foolish way You've lived and say, okay, God, from this time forward, I want to live for you. You pray this and God will do as you ask. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. 
I recognize I have lived my life without you. And I'm sorry. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. He took my place. And so now I ask you to come into my life. Make me the best I can be for you. Thank you that I can spend eternity with you. And that you make me righteous. And so from this day forward, I want to be about your business. Show me what to do. And God, I turn my life over to you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.